2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by Eagles broadcaster Howard Eskin, former Titans GM Floyd Reese, and Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let's start with the Falcons and the Eagles. We've talked so much about the Atlanta offense. How about your specialty defense? How much credit does the Falcons D deserve? Not only for how well they contained the Rams last weekend, but how Atlanta played defensively over the last month of the regular season.
3: Well, you know, Dan Quinn has done a great job here in Mar- Marquan Manuel with Atlanta Falcons' defense, and it's built primarily on speed. And there's old Christian saying, uh, speed kills. And that's one thing they've been able to do, get downhill, get at the point of attack, and just take everything what you want to do away in the running game. We know going into that game last week, you know, Todd Gurley had been so impressive on the ground and so was Jerry in the passing game. But it just seemed like things were a little off. They never got – got an opportunity to establish any type of rhythm. And when we can say, well, no. yeah, the Falcons won the game, they ran running through one one touchdown, and talk about that defense. But for me, the Rams lost that game opposed to the Falcons winning because, you know, when you turn the ball over so many times on the special team setting, the Falcons up with excellent field position, to me, that is the thing that helped the Falcons move forward. And that's why I'm not too high on the Falcons as they go to face the Philadelphia Eagles. And we can say what we want to say about Nick Foles and the fact that he didn't play the best game that he can play when they face the Oakland Raiders. But the one thing is for sure, they have a great defense. They have a running back in Garrett Blount and Jay Ajayi that can definitely put stress and pressure on that Falcons defense. And that's one of the reasons – why the Philadelphia Eagles went out and grabbed J.R. Giant. And he's going to be counted on heavily to take the pressure off of Nick Foles, and Nick Foles has to do a great job finding receivers, taking what the defense gives them, and don't try to make any difficult throws.
1: Yeah, Nicky, you're talking about Farrell Cooper who gave up two of those turnovers on special teams. That gave him 10 points, which, which gave them a little cushion and some momentum, but I think Philadelphia is going to be a little different, especially with their defense. I think their stout defense up front when it comes to pressure. We've seen Matt Ryan at times be on skates. He looks a little timid if he's not in rhythm, and I think that's what they're going to do. What is it going to take for this team to actually win this football game with Nick Foles as a starting quarterback, knowing that your defense can play that well?
3: Well, the one thing Nick Foles hadn't done well, we saw him do it against the Giants. And after that, against the Raiders, we didn't really see it. It was kind of the chemistry with the wide receivers. And up to this point, when Carson Wentz was in, we saw you know Nelson Aguilar, uh, Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, We saw all these three wide receivers, talented wide receivers, involved in the offense. And uh, we really haven't seen that connection with Nick Foles. And... Here's a guy, Nick Foles, he's there every day in practice. But we have to remember, he doesn't get those first-team reps. All those first-team reps went to Carson Wentz. So he has, hopefully, in this time off, that he's developed some kind of chemistry with those wide receivers. And you can take your shots on this Falcons defense, but you, got, you have to pick and choose those shots. But if he's unable to get those guys involved in the offense on a consistent basis, it's going to make his job much difficult for now. The Falcons are going to be worried about the passing attack. Now they can stack the box, eight, nine men in the box to stop McGarry Blunt and Jay O'Jite.
2: Talking playoffs with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let's move to Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Unlikely, I think it's fair to presume, Roethlisberger will have five interceptions like he did in the regular season when the Jags pushed around the Steelers. But how much confidence should Jacksonville have based on how well they played in Pittsburgh this season?
3: Well, you know, that game happened earlier in the season. You can't really, you know, when I decide, you know, rest on the lords of what, what took place. I don't perceive that Big Ben would have that, as many mistakes as he made in that, in that game, five uh, interceptions. But, you know, when you look at that matchup, and because the Jacksonville Jaguars have a, a great defense, possessions are going to be a premium. You cannot turn the ball over for either quarterback. You can't press. The one thing I, I saw in Blake Bortles last week, and there was a lot of criticism I, I had mine too as well, he wasn't great in the passing game. But when he wasn't great in the passing game, he utilized his athletic ability to extend play. And that was something that the Buffalo Bills didn't account for. So he's going to have to be that two-way player. So I'm looking at Blake Bortles to extend plays with his feet on the ground. Also, by him doing and opening up some passing lanes, because as we've seen so far this season, He's developed some chemistry with his wide receivers, and he's been able to throw the ball down the field. So for me, to open up that passing game, yeah, you're going to lean on Leonard Fournette, but you know they're going to stack the box. Keep up, they're going to stack the box. So now Blake Bortles has to be perfect, and he has to put the balls in his playmaker's hands, and he has to utilize his feet to extend, extend plays and extend drives.
1: Well, there's a few things you said that made me nervous about Blake Bortles. Extend plays, has to be perfect and being able to get the ball down the football field. That hadn't happened all year. Let's just think about two games where we know for sure he struggled doing that across the board. It was the Steelers in the first game, throwing for only 95 yards, and it was in the last game against the Buffalo Bills for throwing only 87 yards. But the better stat, I think the best stat of all, with with even the numbers being below 100 passing, was he did not turn the football over. If he comes out again and say he throws for 101 yards with no turnovers, does this team actually go on the road and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers?
3: Well, well yeah, th- that's the biggest thing for, for Blake. And that's why I got out of the game against the Buffalo Bills. He, he didn't turn the ball over. And for me, I, I, I would say, well, his passing deficiencies in that game, I would think a lot of jitters had to do with that. You know, you in your first home game, first playoffs, uh, and you playing against the Buffalo Bills team that kind of you know, back backdoored into a moonwalker, as you said last week, into the playoffs. So to me, this would be a different, oh, I'm expecting a different Blake Borders in his game against uh, Pittsburgh. And by him use, utilizing his mobility, that is something that those edge rushers for the Pittsburgh Steelers will have to contend with. Because now, instead of you know running to, like I said, extend plays, but now you start pressing the perimeter of that defense, have drawn those linebackers up, finding, creating those windows in the back end and throw it to your wide receivers and Cordell. You know, there's a game when they played against the Seattle Seahawks, and we could say, well, you know, uh, Cam Chancellor didn't play and Richard Sherman didn't play, but Blake Borders did a great job throwing the ball down the field. When we have that type of success against Pittsburgh, I think it is possible because if we look at the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if we want to say what part of that defense is suspect. And we've seen it early in the season when they played the Green Bay Packers, it is their pass defense. So, he can have success, but he has to pick and choose where he's going to go with the ball and when he's going to gamble and take risks.
2: Nick, this could be our last Jaguar conversation for quite some time if they lose to the Steelers over the weekend. We're not going to go all the way back to that game when we chat with you next Friday. So even though Blake Bortles had the option picked up by the club for next season, don't they have to bring in another quarterback in the offseason? You can't have Blake Bortles as the only legitimate option in my view next year.
3: Well, considering that has been the, the biggest question mark, and you know, Cordell said it himself and when we just talked about the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, So, you have to, if you time conflict, knowing as though that is your Achilles heel, you have to bring in someone else uh, to compete. Chad Henning has been on the bench all season long. Uh, if Blake struggles, maybe they go to Chad Henning, but in 2018, regardless of what they did with his contract, you have to bring someone in to force Blake Borders to become better in his fundamentals as a quarterback.
1: That's a must. How do you, how do, you do that, Nick? Because Brian and I has had to have this had this conversation. I mean, it goes across the board with what you can do because he's, what, getting 19 million bucks because they're picking up that franchise tag. Do you invest all that money in that position by bringing in, let's say, uh, Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins or say you just go into a draft and grab one of those young kids knowing that you don't need to spend that much money on that position because they're doing it in spite of Blake Bortles.
3: Well, Cordell, you know, of the two guys you just mentioned, I mean, Kirk Cousins, we know he's going to cost $30 million. So I, I, that, that would be too, too rich, that's especially it. with the defense that you have in Jacksonville. So for me, a guy who's an ideal fit he's an ideal fit for a lot of teams because there's a lot of things that he can do, you know, uh, from uh, the pocket, and that's Alex Smith. Uh, you bring in a guy like Alex Smith, that definitely changed the complexity of how we view the Jacksonville Jaguars. And maybe even for it too, as well. Not just being beat Brian Weber, but just the fact of you know his skill set of what he has as a, as a quarterback. I know we always call him a game manager, but if you take Alex Smith's talent and you put it with that receiving core and that defense, we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars being back in the same position in 2018. It's hard for me to believe if you don't have a guy like Alex Smith back there, they that they won't be back in this position.
2: Nick, bright minds think alike. I told Cordell the other day if Alex Smith winds up in Jacksonville, the Jaguars could go to the Super Bowl. All they need is a serviceable quarterback taking you around the postseason with our good friend Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety. Let's shift our attention to what's coming up this weekend in Minnesota. By starting with your observations on what Carolina did defensively, even though they lost to New Orleans, they held Kamara and Ingram in check, 45 combined rushing yards. What do you think the defensive philosophy for Mike Zimmer is going to to be this weekend? Is he going to target taking away the run game once more, hoping that Drew Brees is not as effective as he was in the win against Carolina?
3: Well, that's exactly what's going to be the game plan. Look at how these two tandem running backs have run rough shot over the NFL. And you look at the game last week, I'm sure they broke down that tape a lot and saw how uh, the linebackers and the front seven field, like the Carolina Panthers shut down Alvin Kamara and Ingram. And here's the thing that's, that's odd, because coming into this season, you know, everyone talking about Sean Payton and Drew Brees, those two running backs pretty much changed the narrative in New Orleans, but it was the play from the quarterback position by Drew Brees that really gave this team a, a chance. So if you take down run a running game away from the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees still has the capabilities of beating you over top. He showed that even with Ted Ginn, who was probably one of the most, I guess, handed wide receivers in the league, his, his hands are always in, in question. But he came up big. And if Drew, Drew Brees can threaten the Minnesota Vikings down the seam with a guy you know, like Ted Ginn Jr., now we're talking about a different game because these two teams are both different but I'm still leaning heavily on the New Orleans Saints. I believe that they have what it takes on both sides of the ball, especially watching Cameron Jordan really get after the Panthers' offensive line last week. He is going to be a different maker and a difference maker in this game this weekend.
1: How does the Titans beat the New England Patriots?
3: Well, we saw earlier this season, You know, Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers went up to Foxborough, and they had success. And that's when we saw... You know, uh, Mike Shuler, who's now unemployed, but he had an excellent game plan utilizing those designed quarterback runs, and it really tests the perimeter of that New England defense. So you have a very talented quarterback, you know, as far as mobility and athletic ability, but the passing part of Marcus Mariota game is kind of uh, taking a blow. But to me, if if Mike Mularkey really wanted to give this team an opportunity to win in Foxborough and pull up the biggest upset in these early playoffs, Then it's going to be Marcus Mayord is trying to duplicate what he was able to do against Kansas City and Bob Sutton's defense.
2: Nick, great information as always. As the resident Jedi on this program, I want to share with you this story. Now that the regular season is behind us and we have more free time because we're not enjoying seven hours together on first and goal, I'm catching up on movies I missed throughout the fall. So yesterday, I was checking out Star Wars. I fell asleep is that an indictment of the picture, or just the latest reminder I am damn old?
3: No, you know what? It is an indictment of the movie as a long Star Wars fan. Uh, you know, my kids were really excited. Uh, I, I wasn't. Uh, there were certain things that I was really excited about. The overall, unless the movie, you know, filling a void that a void had been taken away, like my like childhood wow. was just stolen from me. That—that—that—that's that, how much.
2: Nick, you're, you're getting deep there. I'm just My telling a story movie. about me falling asleep in the picture, and, and now suddenly <laughs> yeah. your he's adolescence was robbed by George Lucas. That is really profound on a Friday. That's a hot take right there on Friday, hey, he, baby.
3: We remember, it's not, it's not George Lucas that make this beat.
2: I know, right? but he's still floating around. Come on, I know it's JJ yeah, yeah, Abrams but, and the crew. Yeah,
3: I need JJ J. Abrams back on, on the scene. Okay. Make a better movie. Make 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 force a weekend. Didn't got it
2: Didn't sure. wake me up. I was snoring until the guy next to me pushed me and said, "Hey, bro, <laughs> you're ruining the movie." <laughs> Nick, enjoy the games. We'll chat with you next week.
0: All right, chat with you guys next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
4: It's a new year, and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites, and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John. S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen during the divisional round of the NFL postseason. It takes a unique
0: ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League.
2: Drop down, get your eagle on on
0: this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport.
2: I was wrong.
0: Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure.
2: I'm more than sure. Well, I had better clock management than Andy Reid. We have four minutes to pick four games. This worked out efficiently. Let's take them in order. Divisional round of the postseason kicks off tomorrow in Philadelphia. Eagles, the one seed, underdogs at home. That's never happened before in the history of the NFL with the modern playoff format. Cordell, give me the winning formula. Who's going to take this game and why?
1: i tell you what. I'm going with the Eagles. Fight, Eagles, fight. This is why I'll go with the Eagles is because one, home field advantage and, and it's an outdoor team in the in, in the Atlanta Falcons that's traveling on the road to Philly. I know some may be a little nervous about Nick Foles, but it's bigger than Nick Foles. I think this defense is gonna play to run this to stop the run, to force Matt Ryan to throw the football down the field, uh, put them put him in position to to have to be you know, have the happy feet. You remember the, the show Happy Happy Feet with the Penguin when they tap dancing all over? I think that's what they're gonna try to do with Matt Ryan, but if you could take this running game of uh, this backfield with Garrett Blunt, uh, with Jay Ajayi, uh, with, with Smallwood, as well as Clemens, I think just a small sample size of throwing the football can be just enough. Atlanta, they've come on strong. I love the defense from, from the front four standpoint. You have True Font, who's in the secondary now, who they missed tremendously last year in the Super Bowl. They have him in. And playing, and yeah, we've seen these two backs run the football really well uh, in this last game against the Rams, which is something they did last year uh, to give them an opportunity to be successful on the offensive side of the football. But it's going to come down to Matty Ice having to control the game and actually be the catalyst uh, to how this team actually wins. Because if you freeze him and ice him, as his name says Matty Ice I think this Philadelphia Eagles team is going to have a chance but this is a chance that they haven't had in a long time they've been representing the NFC all year I think this defense with Chris Long and Fletcher Cox and company are going to be up for the task it's going to boil down to I would say Nick Foles not screwing it up but most importantly just being methodical and going out there and just lead the football team by just doing his job well. So I'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Rational, logical as always. Matt Ryan, you know, is from Philadelphia. The elements will not bother him at all. Tomorrow, I have no faith in Nick Foles. Plus, the Eagles' vaunted defense has taken a major step back over the last month of the regular season. Falcons will get it done on the road. I don't think we need to devote much time. Nor energy towards the late game tomorrow. Titan's on the road of the Patriots. I have New England big. How about you?
1: Oh, man, I tell you what the Titans are a very, very good football team when they run the ball in the fourth quarter. Now, what happens in the other three quarters? <laughs> I know you thought I was going somewhere with that one. If they're doing the other three quarters, that's a great question. Fourth quarter, I'm looking forward to because we've seen Derrick Henry run the football extremely well, and regardless of what they do, they have a chance to win the fourth quarter, but I don't think it'll be enough to win the entire game. I'm going with New England.
2: That gets us a Sunday. We have a minute left to pick both these games. Jaguars at the Steelers. I'll take Pittsburgh. It's going to be competitive, but Roethlisberger won't have five picks like he did in the regular season. How about you?
1: I'm going with the Steelers. I'll rock and roll with the Steelers. I I say that was an aberration. That game they played with five turnovers and couldn't get much done. I'm going with the
2: Steelers. Saints and Vikings, I told you a week ago, New Orleans is going to the Super Bowl. I got to pick them on Sunday. How do you see this game?
1: You told me they were going, but they hadn't played the game yet. I'm telling you, Case Keenum is the man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll save it. I'll save it. But Case Keenum, I think this defense is going to force the quarterback to throw the football more than he wants to because they really want to run it. And I think Minnesota does the same thing they did to the L.A. Rams, to the Saints. It's hold them to at least 10 points or less. And I think this Minnesota Vikings team go on to the NFC Championship game.
2: And that ends our work week. You don't have to save it, partner. You want the horn? ba you know, That's how I say on the Cordell hey, the entire we're watching show. watch that game. Blah, you're going blah, to be blah, hearing blah, that blah, horn blah, all day. Blah.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
4: Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast.
5: Every episode, I take you to the scariest
0: haunted places on Hollywood Earth. Hollywood
4: and Crime by Wonder. We also
0: tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable
1: there either.
4: And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else.
1: Where we ransack America's past. And discover that history is only copyrighted to those writing.
4: Search First Play Podcast and listen early, listen often, listen today.
1: This
0: is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, welcoming in former Titans general manager Floyd Reese. Floyd, thanks for taking the time. How are you?
0: My pleasure. How are
6: you guys? We well, are doing uh, well. You played something there that Cordell hasn't even done.
2: I don't think Cordell has completed a touchdown pass to himself. You're right. He's not made that kind of history. So let's see if the Titans can keep it going. We know, understandably, the Patriots are major favorites at home. If the Titans are going to pull off another upset tomorrow, what needs to happen other than Tom Brady throwing four interceptions?
6: Yeah, that would certainly be a great start. We're going to have to go out and run the ball. We know that. I, I think they'll let us run the ball a little bit. Uh, what they do such a great job of is once you get down inside the 20, you them, they just cut you off. So if, and if we're lucky enough to get down there, we're going to have to find a way to score touchdowns, um, you know, rather than field goals. And, you know, by doing that, hopefully we'll keep the ball away from Tom a little bit and we'll go out there and maybe, you know, throw us one or somebody will fumble one or something good will happen and it'll, it'll give you a break and,
1: and give you a call. Lloyd, just going back to 2004, uh, when having an opportunity to see the late Steve McNair and Eddie George play the way they did, uh, give me your take with Derrick Henry, who's another big back, and a Marcus Mariota, who's a big quarterback, has an arm, but not as elusive and and good throwing the football as Steve McNair. Give me your take on what they need to do on offense to be able to control this game a little bit better than it may seem from the outside looking and knowing what they do on offense in New England.
6: You know, what we have seen in the last couple of games, which have really been marked difference from the, the two before that, you know, we lost to Arizona and San Francisco back-to-back and then turn around and, and beat a couple of pretty good teams, um, you know, in Jacksonville and Kansas City. The biggest difference in those games was Marcus winning with the football. And you know better than anyone that, um that the ability to do that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're running for touchdowns, but you are running enough to be a pin in the back. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the defense doesn't like it, the pass rushers don't like it, the defense, the defensive coordinators don't like it, uh, and it allows you to get first downs and just kind of keep the thing moving. Uh, that's, what, that's what Marcus has been able to do. Now, the young running back, Derek, I mean, he's he came down turned in the performance of his career so far last week. Uh he's a big, strong back and and looked a little bit more like Eddie George. It was funny because early he kept, you know how DeMarco will kinda of run upright? Well, mm-hmm. Eric was I mean, um Derek was starting to do that. Well last week he turned in the Eddie George and he had the body in him and and, you know, we're hitting the small creases and gaining yards. So, hopefully that's what we'll see
2: from now on. Floyd Reese is our guest on the NFL on Tune-in. Floyd, Mike Malarkey, got the good news over the weekend. He's coming back next season as head coach. But do you anticipate some changes could be made in the off season, either to the offensive coaching staff or to the approach on that side of the football?
6: You know, I, I don't know. That'll, that'll surely be up to Mike. Now, I'll say this one thing about Mike. He does not... Hesitate to make a change if indeed he feels like a change needs to be made. Uh, in the last two years, he he may have fired two of his best friends uh, in the coaching profession. You know, Bobby April was one who had been with him in Buffalo uh, was a special teams coordinator, and and Mike just didn't like the way it was going, so he made the move. So he's not afraid to do it if in fact he senses it needs to be done. I don't know what they're thinking right now. I personally believe that that a combination of of bad start, injuries, uh, you know, rookie receivers not being prepared for the regular season, and really just not great performance out of our offensive line for much of the early year, earlier season, was was at least a part, if not a majority, of the problem.
1: Well, when you look at this, this offense, it has a tendency to look a little flat and bland at times. You know, like there's no flair, sometimes no excitement, just basic old, you know, North Pole type football. We're just going to run it. We're just going to grind it. And this is the way it's going to be all the way to the bitter end because we see what Derrick Henry does in the fourth quarter. As this, as this season move forward and hopefully this team gets an opportunity to get further into the postseason, what do you see them having to do next season to make this offense to be a little bit more, let's just say, uh, uh, exciting, uh, to say the least?
6: You know, we out what the, the problem was the, uh, the quarterback and the receivers were not coordinated. They were not well-timed, well-groomed. Uh, they just, the uh, you know, young rookie, fifth-round, fifth choice, um, was hurt. Missed all of the ABAs, missed them all missed all the off-season camps, missed all of camp, got in the season, played like a week or so, got hurt again. Uh, so he really didn't get on the field till you know, I don't know, maybe week 9, 10, 11 in there. Well, consequently, by the time he gets on the field, as you well know, I mean, they're just not. It's timed up. It's not tuned in. I think that has kind of affected everything. You know, Marcus got to the point where he was a little bit lost, and he wanted, to, he wanted to see the break. He wanted to see him open before he got through it. Well, as you well know, by that time, it's too late. And, uh, and because he wasn't just, you know, positive where these guys were going to go and when they were going to make their break, all the timing was just shot. So I think that affected everything. You know, I think what they really need is a good offseason with an established group of receivers that just work every single day. And as you know, go through the fine details, you know, fine tune everything. so that, uh, you know, when you enter camp next year, it's not learning. It's not waiting for somebody. It's not slowing down the progress of everybody else because of one or two guys.
2: We're focusing on the Titans as they get set to take on the Patriots tomorrow with Floyd Reese, former Tennessee GM. Floyd, is it just an intriguing stat that the Titans have a negative point differential they've been outscored this year, or does this team have some real issues on defense?
6: You know, strangely enough, the defense has really played well. Uh, they've had two bad games. They played poorly against Pittsburgh, and they played poorly in the first Eastern game. Uh, but the two games I told you that, that we had lost, against Arizona and San Francisco, we lost two games. They gave up one touchdown in both teams for a total. So, you know, they have not given up a lot of points. Um, they, they really have been considering the the newly put-together secondary with a rookie and with Logan Ryan, who's a veteran player, but certainly not with this team. Um, you know, then you bring in a Cyprian at the other safety. And, and there's just a lot of new cases in there but they've kind of you know worked and worked and got themselves to the point where they could go out and perform uh, on a decent basis so I, I mean I really for the most part of the season have been uh, fairly pleased with what the defense has done with with less than you know maybe ideal personnel across the board
1: Lord, no one's talking about special teams and, and talking about a Dory Jackson and how impactful that part of the game can be uh, when it comes down to maybe this, this offense struggling, maybe in this defense struggling? Can he be be an impactful player when it comes down to this postseason game? Because no one's really talking about it right now.
6: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, statistically, if you look at our special teams, they're, they're really pretty good. Um, and New England's are pretty good. Uh, our, our punter and our kicker really are solid. Dory will kind of take your breath away when he gets the ball. You know, it's one of those, you just, <gasps> what's going to happen kind of thing. And uh, and he is he is truly gifted. Uh, broke a couple early in the season, had them both call back. And really, you know, other than that, it's maybe been a 40-yard return, a 45-yard return here. Not that, you know, that game winner that we're going to need, but he certainly is capable. Uh, and I think people realize that. Consequently, people are, you know, it's they're, they're okay with going ahead and pumping
2: it out of bounds. Floyd Reese is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Floyd, in addition to your great run in Tennessee, you have a direct connection to the Patriots, spending three years as a senior football advisor. What did you take away from your time working in New England, and what do you make of these reports of major friction within the franchise?
6: You know, it was funny because Bill Belichick and I started our coaching careers together with the Detroit Lions in like 1975-76. I was a strength coach and he was a quality control coach, uh, and we've known each other and you know been friends for whatever that is, 40 years. Um, and and I, uh, it's it's not by accident all that's happened in New England, all their good fortune. I mean, they they have put together a program second to none, and I really find very little that I can believe in in all these reports that I hear, simply because their number one focus in literally everything they do, everything, is what is best for the franchise, uh, and I think because of that, when you when Bill makes a coaching decision, whether it's coaching or signing. Or whatever the case may be, he, he all asked a question. Robert Kraft is the owner, and Tom Brady is the same way. So all those guys are, are basically the same, think the same, act the same. Now, does that mean you know that they don't argue? I mean, for for those of us that are married, we know that there's a different story there. Uh, but is it something that they don't, they can't sit down and get solved? I'm sure they do.
1: Marcus Mariota has been known to be really quiet and to himself, um, but yet he plays like he's a a guy with a big, big voice. What truly makes him tick from what you've seen uh, whether it be via the the media uh, and you guys talking to him or just seeing him at practice?
6: You know, he is one of those guys that never says the wrong thing. You know, he's been well-schooled, he understands his position, he understands his responsibility, is very good at at all of that. That being said, I'm not sure that it wouldn't do everybody a little bit of good if he were to be a little bit more boisterous. And I think we saw that last two weeks. We saw a little bit more of of him going up and down the benches and, you know, congratulating guys or, or stripping guys up or whatever there may be. So... I think that's important for him to do. And I think he's getting better at all that.
2: Lloyd, last one for me. You have a great relationship with Jeff Fisher. You worked together for many years. Sounds like he wants back in. He wants to coach again. Do you think he'll get a head coaching opportunity again at some point?
5: You know, that's
6: a good question. I I mean, I agree with you. I I think you want uh, another opportunity and, you know, it looks like when it's all said and done, there's going to be enough jobs out there that you'll have an opportunity. And, uh, And I'm sure there's probably a place out there that he would fit. So I I wouldn't be surprised at all either way.
2: Lloyd, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, guys.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's visit with Eagles sideline analyst Howard Eskin. Howard, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the show. Do you think the wise men in Nevada are being astute to install Atlanta as the road favorite tomorrow as you get set to be on the sideline for that game between the Eagles and the Falcons?
5: Well, I'm going to be on the sideline, and by the third quarter, it's going to be 20-some degrees. So it's going to be cold. There's going to be wind, which is great for the Eagles because you've got a dome team playing outside, and they don't like that kind of weather uh, because most of those teams that play in domes don't play many games in cold weather. So it's going to be cold for me, but I'm not playing the game. I'm just watching the game.
1: Howard, you are always fresh and dapper uh, when you put it together. I know you'll probably have on some, probably some snow boots or whatever getting prepared for the cold stuff, but uh, I'll say this about this offense. It's kind of scary to say the least that you don't have Carson Wentz and you have Nick Foles. And after this team has done so much this year, you're depending heavily on Nick Foles to be the guy to get it done. Can he go out and help lead this team uh, and not screw it up considering what they do have across the board?
5: Well, that's, that's the whole thing. Turnovers are bad, but turnovers in the playoffs are deadly. Plus two, eighty 80% of the time the team wins. So uh, he can't turn the ball over. And he knows that. I think the week off did him probably as much good as anybody else because he went back and reevaluated some of the things he's got to do. And he's got to be decisive. And he wasn't decisive uh, in a couple of those games. Uh, he, he did a good job when he came in for Wentz in the Rams game. Did a great job coming back against the Giants when he threw four touchdown passes. But then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he became a little indecisive. But yes, uh, he's not Carson Wentz. People have to understand that that he's not Carson Wentz, and you got to you got to move on and do it with who you have. And defense is going to have to win the game. But the the good thing about this game through the Eagles. Atlanta has not played well offensively this year. In the red zone, they really have struggled. I think Julio Jones has one red zone touchdown this year, which is amazing. But for whatever reason, they have struggled in the red zone. And when they don't score 20 points, and I don't think they will, they usually don't win the game. And that's the way I think this game's going to play out. Uh, I think Nick Foles can get him into the 20s. Again, you can't turn the ball over. And uh, I think Nick Farris will be better. Uh, Hey, hey, listen, he's not not one of the elite, but uh, he can have a game and do a good job. And that's all he needs to do in this game is a good job. Not a great job, but just a good job.
2: Howard Eskin, Eagles Radio Network, is our guest on the NFL on Tune. And, Howard, let's throw out the regular season finale against Dallas because the starters rested for the majority of the game. Let's go back to another cold game. I'm sure you were bundled up on the sideline Christmas night. How disheartening was that performance Philadelphia put together on both sides of the football? They won the game against Oakland, but the Raiders gave it away a variety of times.
5: Yeah, well, the Raiders stink, and that's why they're just, <laughs> they just—they were so bad this year. And the the fact that they struggled in that game, And it's hard to explain. It was the first game back after a three-game road trip. Uh, And sometimes you think you can mail it in against a bad team, and maybe that's the way the offense played. For whatever reason, Nick Foles did not have a good game. However, he did uh, put together a winning drive for the Eagles to win the game at the end of the game, if I remember correctly, in that game. So there's different ways you can look at it. Uh, but that's one game, I, I'm telling you, the game the game that I'll remember is when Carson Wentz goes out against the Rams, and that's where I look at Nick Foles. Now, I saw Nick Foles in 2013, but that, that's over when he was had 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions that year, but that's over. you got to move on. Uh, but I saw the game against the Rams this year when he came in, when Carson Wentz tore his ACL, fourth quarter, led the team down uh, to score, and... He, the last drive where they had to get a first down to be able to run out the clock to win the game, he did it. Uh, so I saw some really good things. Now, granted, in the Oakland game, I saw some things that weren't really that terrific. Uh, but I think the defense is going to have to win this game, and the offense can't screw it up. So you you, you like to look at it. In this game, probably more than any, you can get by without – the great quarterback. Once you get to the conference championship, once you get to the Super Bowl, usually the better quarterback, uh, the best quarterback wins. That's the way it usually works. I'll give you some numbers. Number one seeds, which the Eagles are, in the, since the divisional games have started, and the divisional round, which is the team that had the bye week against the team that played the previous week, the, the number one seed, which is the home team, is 20-2. and two. In uh, since uh, nineteen ninety, with the team in the divisional round, the home had the home game, had the home game. They're seventy nine and twenty nine. Five of those teams were underdogs, and four of them won. So I'll look at numbers because some, sometimes those numbers mean something. Uh, I'll give you another number, and this is really taking it to the extreme. Dome teams, I don't think, like to play in cold weather and windy weather. They don't like to play when it's not perfect. Well, in this case, it's going to be 35 degrees at the start of the game, and it's going to go into the 20s. Dome teams in the last 27 games, dome teams have played outside when it's 35 or below. They're 4-23. and Whatever those numbers mean. And it could be a lot of hocus-pocus. But there's a reason those numbers exist. Uh, for whatever reason they exist, uh, they're there. So I'll look at that. I think the Eagles are going to win the game.
1: Jay Ajayi was, let's just say, shipped off to the Philadelphia Eagles from Miami when seeming as if they had no clue how to use any of the talent they have there, obviously, because Jay Ajayi is playing well. How big has he been in this offense to help out the Legarrett and also the Clemens of the world?
5: Well, he, he's been really big, uh, Cordell, and he's been big because... He gives them – they haven't worn out their runners. He gives them another option, uh, and he's done a really good job. And this year he's actually – he's already played against the Falcons, and in that game against the Falcons, he's the only running back that gained over 100 yards in a game against the Falcons this year. He's that running back when Miami played the Falcons. Uh, What does it mean? I don't know, but he's fresh. He hasn't played a game in 18 days. Last week, when the Eagles practiced a couple days, uh, they gave him uh, a couple of days. They gave him really limited, limited practice this week. Uh, he practiced full, but he didn't, he didn't overdo it. So he is really fresh, and I think he, uh, and people believe that here in Philadelphia, he will be really important uh, in this game uh, for the Eagles running game.
2: Howard, let's wrap it up with the big picture. We know that Philadelphia is a slightly intense sports town. If the Eagles lose tomorrow, is there going to be a portion of this fan base calling for Doug Peterson's head, even though the team doesn't have Carson Wentz healthy?
5: No, no, I'm going to tell you no, because Doug Peterson, uh, I think he is one of three guys that that should win coach of the year. He, McVay, and with the Rams – and Zimmer with, with Minnesota. And if one of those guys don't win it, it's a, it's a crime. But Doug Peterson has had a great year. He lost his quarterback, uh, which is uh, – and they're 13-3 and three this year, and he lost his quarterback for the last three games in a quarter. Now, they, they will be mad. They will be angry. They'll blame somebody. And they'll find a way to kind of tie Doug Peterson into this. Uh, but you can't blame him. Uh, he's, he's limited at quarterback, and he's, uh, he's going to call a lot of the same things that he would uh, before. He's going to be aggressive. Uh, now, if that changes, he'll be criticized. But now it won't be Doug Peterson's head but because those people will have already jumped off the bridge. <laughs> if they lose the game, they're jumped off the bridge, so we won't hear from them again. So it won't matter.
2: Howard, great information as always. Thanks so much for coming back on the show and stay warm tomorrow on the sidelines.
5: Um, hey, listen, I'll figure it out. Trust me, I'll figure it out.
0: Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in, your everything audio app.